this is Sarah Ashley with Nerds on Film. If you enjoy listening to any of the podcasts on the Nerdonomy Network, you should go to our website, nerdonomy.com, and go to our merch page. You can even wear us. Although, frankly, we look better crumpled up on your floor. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. Welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I'm Sarah Ashley. Tonight, unfortunately, uh, Dave, our co-host, could not be here this evening, nor could... Again. I know. Well, you know... Life happens. Life happens, exactly. He'll be here next week, rest assured. We decided to get a, a special guest to fill in for him, a man who has already hosted his own film podcast, so I feel like he's totally qualified. Welcome to the table, Kevin Sutorius. Well, hello there, my good chaps. And no, I don't have a British accent. I'm sorry to let all, everybody down, add some variety. Yeah. And not only, I think, are you qualified because you've actually hosted a film podcast you're qualified because you're also an uber nerd like the rest of us oh i i do concur to that statement i definitely agree um let's just say that my living room uh thanks to the permission from my wife is full of dvds video games and then legos that's how i feel a room should be decorated legos legos for everything legos for everything lego flowers Lego jewelry. Lego cake toppers. Lego cake toppers. Ooh, I like that. For weddings. Definitely. That's a good idea. They sell those. Now, here's the question. Pinterest. Would you would you keep the remains of a loved one in a Lego container? A Lego urn? Oh, oh, that is a tough question. Um, if I did, the urn would have to be multicolored, so that way I can have immediate fond memories and not think of something dark and bleak. Like, oh, look, rainbows. Oh, that's right. Sarah's in there, too. <laughs> Well played. Well, that's well depressing. <laughs> Anywho, hey, Nerds on Film podcast. This is supposed to be about movies, right? It is supposed to be about movies. And um, you have a topic you've really been wanting to talk about for a long time. Yeah, so I think it'd be kind of interesting um, to talk about the uh, state of women in Hollywood, but not necessarily as portrayed on film, but so much as um, behind the scenes. Yeah, there's um, a very interesting history about women yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting to see how um, underrepresented women can be as filmmakers. Like, Brian, did you know that there are more... For a second, I thought you were like, <laughs> women filmmakers, like Brian over here. <laughs> did minute. you know that well, he was actually born a woman? Did you know that Brian is a woman? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, that five o'clock shadow definitely threw me off. <laughs> but then, the, I'm not going to make a comment about man boobs. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that one anyway, stung a little. <laughs> hey, Brian, did you know that uh, there are more women in the U.S. Congress than there are women in Hollywood, women directors in Hollywood? I did wow. not know that. No. Yeah, hey, the no. more you know. Do okay. you know how many there are in Congress right now? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I pulled that ra- I pulled that random fact off the internet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't ask me to do that considering much what research. <laughs> research. <laughs> 535 members of Congress. Not all. I mean, it's a pretty small. Sure. Maybe, say, even 20%. Are women? That's about a hundred. I don't know. Somebody, somebody with an iPad, look it up. <laughs> uh, let's get our sound guy on that. Look it up. 
Um, anyway. Yes, <laughs> so, um, but I do have a little game for you too, because I know Brian likes to play little games on his uh, Nerds on History podcast. Go check it out. You make it sound like it's so childish when you say it like that. No, but... they're fun. All right, let's do, let's do this. <laughs> okay, so um, I I'm gonna just it's not even really a game. It's just a list, a list of movies that uh, you may not have known were directed by women. Okay. So a pretty common one that actually a lot of people do know is uh, Lost in Translation was directed by a woman. Sophia Coppola. Yep. So there yep. you go. That's there right. Yep. Sophia Coppola. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, American Psycho, directed by a woman. Huh. I see. I think with that, I always get confused because the author of American Psycho is Brett. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It was directed by Mary Heron. Mary Heron. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Um, another one that you guys may not have known: Shrek, directed by a woman. Really? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating, mm-hmm. huh? Um, Pet Cemetery, the horror movie. <laughs> oh yes, Pet interesting. Cemetery. Directed by a woman. Deep Impact, directed by a woman. Yep, wow, I know. Actually, I know that movie. one. That's yeah. Catherine Bigelow. No, 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 no. no. Deep Impact is uh, Mimi Later. Mimi Later, yeah. Then I'm thinking of a different movie. I apologize. Okay, Big, directed by Penny Marshall. Actually, I think yep. that was her first film, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if that was the one, the first one she directed. She also directed A League of Their Own. Yes, she That's did. That's right. Which yeah. was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Real Genius, if anybody remembers that movie with uh, Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah, that was uh, Amy Heckerling? Uh, Martha Coolidge. Martha Coolidge, okay. Martha Coolidge directed that one. And Wayne's World. Penelope Spheris. Yep. Mm-hmm. Party time. Excellent. Another staple of my childhood. Yeah, and she was interesting um, because she had started off as a documentary filmmaker. She did. She started off doing independent um, rock and roll documentaries, which is why they thought she would be so qualified to direct Wayne's World because, you know, it's a it's about the rock culture. So I thought Very topical. Was, yeah, right? There mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. Totally relevant. Yes. Exactly. Totally relevant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so hey. there, there you go. There's just a like, few movies that you guys may not have known. So. Car. Game on. Game on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. And it's, <laughs> I know we had a random. Sorry, I, just, I had to. I had to. I had to. Um, but yeah, no, it's actually kind of. Oh, oh, there we go. Um, Ninety out of the five hundred and thirty-five members of Congress are women. Wow. Even less than that are uh, are women directors in Hollywood. Jeez. How depressing is that, ladies? Well, that raises a really important question, though, because I would want to know how many women are coming out of the film programs in this country who are trying to go into the industry versus the number of men who are going through. And that's actually that's interesting that you bring that up. Um, in my research, I did come across a statistic saying that, um, you know, there's approximately 53 percent ish um, women. Just women population. Right? Women population right. in America. There's about 53% of women coming out of film, film schools. It's actually pretty much reflective of what's happening of the in population. the population. Wow. So it's... Interesting. The thing is, it's not that there aren't women, obviously, trying to become directors, producers, um, you know, editors, whatever. It's that they're, they're having the doors slammed in their faces. Hmm. Yeah. One producer that comes into mind that has had a fantastic career is uh, Gail Ann Hurd who is the producer of the Terminator 1 and 2 movies, mm. currently the executive producer for the Walking Dead TV series, and worked with Frank Darabont, if I'm not mistaken. I th- think it's either on the Shawshank or the Green Mile. I think she worked on both, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Power to her, because she is, she is a great force to be reckoned with. 
I think you're absolutely right. I think women are far underrepresented absolutely. in the film industry. And the ones that the few ones that we can think of are we think of as, as these powerhouses. Now, Penny Marshall is a powerhouse director. Gail Ann Hurd as a powerhouse director. I think of Laura Schuler Donner, who uh, the wife of Richard Donner. Um, they've been a producing partner team for for years. She's been at his side for all of the Lethal Weapon movies, I believe. Mm-hmm. She was she was the the driving force behind the X Men movies. Um, oh, was she? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's she right. did. She did all of them up and in, including, I believe, X Men First Class, the most recent foray into X Men lore. And then Catherine Bigelow, obviously. Of course, we have to talk, yes. about, we Catherine. Have to talk about Catherine Bigelow. Right. Yes, we do. So she was the fourth woman ever nominated for um, Best Director um, for the Oscars, and she's right. the only woman to have won. And that puts her in pretty big company, because I believe mm. Penny Marshall was also nominated at one point, I think. Can we get some confirmation on that? Hmm. I, I got you on that. Okay, Kevin, We're searching. We have iPads. We are we yes. are searching like crazy. Well, I, I also Barbara Streisand. I know had been Barb, no Barbara Streisand. Um, well, Barbara Streisand was the only female to um, win Best Director at the Golden Globes right. for um, Yentl in nineteen eighty four. And I, but I think she got nominated she at least for have. like the Prince Ooh. of Tides. Maybe I'm not probably, sure. Yeah. Probably, probably. Yeah. yeah. Catherine Bigelow is also the only one, uh, woman to win um, top director awards um, with BAFTA and the Directors Guild at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I believe it was all. It was all for Hurt Locker. Okay, so yeah, well, big movie. Yeah. yeah. Just to yeah. confirm, Penny Marshall did receive an Oscar nomination for the movie Big, but she is the first female director to have a movie that earned over a hundred million dollars. And then she became she set another world record uh, for A League of Their Own to be the only female director at the time that had two movies that grossed over a hundred million dollars. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah. But how long ago were those movies? And how is 20 that? years ago. Yeah. Early, early 90s, yeah. yeah. We're and, nearing on 20 years. And yeah. why is it that things like that still haven't been beaten by women directors? Like, I just feel like, again, we're still we're just really underrepresented. Right. And the, the surprising thing is um, Big and A League of the Rome were very original movies that really didn't have that much knowledge in, like, the pop culture scene uh, before uh, before then. I, growing up, uh, Tom Hanks was a favorite actor of mine, and I'm uh, a League of Their Own and in Big, of course, two very important movies that I consider in my childhood. Uh, a League of Their Own being about the Women's Baseball League mm-hmm. during World War II, and I was immediately fascinated by that. And to be honest, I'm not just saying this for the sake of podcast, but I, I remember after watching that movie that I wanted to play baseball too, so that way I could play with anybody. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's really heartwarming. Yeah. 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 That's I totally like that. awesome. And growing up in a family with uh, three brothers and no sisters, yeah, that was that was very interesting. And, you know, I think you bring up a really interesting point with your list of movies you didn't think, or you wouldn't have known that were directed by yeah. women. I think the point you're getting at is those movies, some of the movies you mentioned would not be what we would stereotypically think of. Yeah, they're not, they're not rom-coms. They're not the Nora Ephron yeah. movies. There's that... that I almost want to say a stigma, but not really. Just there's just that stereotype of if you're going to be a woman director, this is the the format of film you should make. And most of those movies you were talking about were not anywhere near that format. No. Yeah, and and also these are these are movies that are covering wide genres. You mm. have horror, you have action, you have a family blockbuster. You know, and mm-hmm. and fantasy family too with, yeah. with big yeah yeah. And I think this is I think this is just I don't know. Women can. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, I was about to say, um, one thing that I find kind of interesting is that um, with Catherine Bigelow, um, most people, it seems, uh, forget that she directed Point Break. Um, I think most people forget because it's Patrick Swayze and... uh, 
and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Uh, Keanu Reeves. Um, We've had this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I like after. I think it was either right before or right after Point Break is when she got married to James Cameron, yeah, and that's, that's kind of also how she got popular. Fast forward almost two decades, she wins the Oscar for The Hurt Locker, and now she is like one of the Beating top out her ex husband. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. That was one of the member the. Major talked about moments of the Oscars because Cameron had been nominated for Avatar that year. Yeah, and Avatar swept so many the other awards and were nominated was nominated all over the place, and yet Catherine Bigelow was the one that that won Best Director. When it came to the Oscars, with Catherine Bigelow going up against her ex husband, I think considering the ego that is James Cameron, I think it was really touching that as soon, ironically, first of all, James Cameron sat in front of Catherine Bigelow. I thought it was really touching that as soon as they get to their seats, like they have the cameras ready to go on that spot, he turns around and gives her a hug. Considering the ego that James Cameron has, some would say well-deserved, others would say way too out of proportion considering the type of movies he's done. I still think that that was a very touching moment and how he was the first person, if I'm not mistaken, to be on his feet uh, clapping for Catherine Bigelow when she won the award too. Totally. Well, he also does know that Every single time they do the award shows, they turn the cameras on everybody else. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You have that small little uh, picture in picture in picture in picture in picture of the uh, nominees. Not to not to to get too much into a gossip thing. He kind of owes her because he dumped her for Linda Hamilton. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And now um, he's married to one of the actresses from Titanic and still is. Which is surprising, because I think he's been married and divorced. Married four times, divorced three times, I think. Oh, enough about James Cameron. Yes. <laughs> um, one thing, well, uh, it's I guess we could say it's very topical of the moment, is that uh, Zero Dark Thirty, Catherine Bigelow's next movie, has a lot of history, a lot of gossip, and actually a lot of very interesting stories surrounding the making of this movie. And coincidentally, it's coming out very soon, and it's actually been one on, it's been on my top 10 of 2012 this year from January 1st. You know, I've heard of the movie, nice. but I have no idea what it's about. It is about the uh, American government going after Osama bin Laden and then the coverage of the SEALs breaking into oh, his right, place. right, 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 oh. yes, and about SEAL Team taking 6. taking him out. Yes, yes, SEAL Team 6, that's gotcha. right. Now, mm-hmm. the most significant part about the production of this is that the writer and Catherine Bigelow got access to top secret classified documents to write for this movie, and boom. <laughs> Everybody else in Congress is freaking out, and, and they just came in. They got permission. I think they also got permission from Obama to do this, and boom, look at it. It's going to be a potential Oscar contender for the year of 2012. That's crazy cool. Yeah. yeah. To think that you know those kind of doors are being opened for a female director right. is yeah. really interesting, because I don't even think well, like Spielberg would be able to I get that I was just kind about to say the exact same thing, yeah. yeah. Well, and so I think I think Hurt Locker really did just make a huge point. But then you look, okay, so this is an, a follow-up war movie, right? Correct. So maybe kind of sticking in the same vein is a really good idea for her, like on a business move. Not to say that that's yeah. not something that she's still equally passionate about, mm-hmm. but I think people know, okay, so this chick can do war movies. Right. And uh, as a career move, I would also say that this is still a good choice to make because oh, it's territory she's familiar with. It's territory she's very good at. Mm-hmm. And considering that the Hurt Locker had a very large ensemble, very similar to how Zero Dark Thirty is going to have a large ensemble. It totally shows just from the experience of um, her locker that she has complete control. So, yeah. But, okay. So this is kind of an interesting point then because it's 
seemingly less risky to do this, right? It, it Theoretically, yeah. Or so, we could, yeah, make that argument for sure. I was, again, doing um, some research to prepare for the podcast, and I noticed that um, there are more female executives actually in Hollywood than there ever have been, which is awesome. I think that's totally fantastic. Mm -hmm. However, even these women are saying that they are opting more for male directors because it is quote, less risky. What is so risky about a yeah, female director? Wait a minute. That, that the, is about as nonsensical as... Mm -hmm. God, there's like 15,000 things I could think of right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Things mm -hmm. just aren't mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. no, I, out of curiosity, when did that... What was the date of that information published? That information, that was a relatively recent one. Um, it was pulled off of womendirectorsinhollywood.com which okay. is uh, which is just a blog. It was, it's a blog that's actually done by female directors. And, oh, girls, if you want to get pissed off at the misogyny <laughs> in the system, please that's go so to that. Nice. Go to that blog. It is so frustrating. I'll probably tell you guys a couple of, of stories about that later. And was there a date on when that? I didn't get the date on that one, but the, they pulled it off of Mary Sue, okay. the Mary Sue blog. I also, okay. uh, because it's uh, kind of topical, and just as a mm -hmm. sidebar, E.T.'s uh, remastered uh, re-release was this past week on DVD and Blu-ray, digital copy, and ultraviolet. The writer for the movie E.T., her name is uh, Melissa Matheson, E.T. currently, I th I'm pretty sure that this is still today, E.T. has set the record for the longest theatrical run of a movie at 50 out of 52 weeks for a full year. Wow. It was two weeks short of a full year being run. Oh, my God. One, uh, how is it possible that there is a movie to this day that could still last that long? Two, that's the longest any director and any writer has had a theatrical release in terms of longevity. So that's awesome. I also wanted to point that out, too. No, that's really good. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. But uh, but so anyway, so there's a lot of actually really good websites if you guys are um, going out trying to check out more information about women behind the scenes. But San Diego State actually has a uh, a, a program for this, um, the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film. And they're constantly doing studies and surveys and gathering statistics on what what the state of women in Hollywood is. And in 2007, of the top 100 worldwide grossing films, um, they did a study of those films and realized that when men and women filmmakers were given the same budget, they were drawing about the same amount box office wise. It made hmm. no difference whether it was a woman director or a male director. It also made no difference if it was a male protagonist or a female protagonist as long as the budgets were the same. So hmm. if executives are not giving budgets to women, they're already just purposely screwing them over. Yeah, and to be honest, in all of the ways that executives are portrayed, whether in TV shows like Entourage or in the movies, it seems like they're always going for how much money can we make how off of this? And an article like that, I would say, you know, that should at least open their eyes yeah, to say it the least. It doesn't matter. It does yeah. not matter. I mean, honestly, the general audience, general audience does not give a shit. No. They're the ones, they're not paying attention. I no. really, really no. doubt that they are. I mean, to be honest, if you think about it, go to just like any relative, mention the words Steven Spielberg, see what comes up. Then bring up somebody like Catherine Bigelow. Or bring up somebody like Penny Marshall. The general moviegoer, it doesn't mean anything to them, unfortunately. And it's unfortunate. It, it's for a film buff like me. It's kind of like, come on, 
Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, and then another thing. I mean, if you look at, at 2011, if you look at the, um, I think it was the top 250 grossing um, films or whatever, 95% of the movies were directed by men. 5% were directed by women. Isn't that an absolutely stunning statistic? I would say I'm speechless on that one, yeah. The fact that there's probably a lot of projects that are being developed by women that are just not being given the green light or not or just, or just getting shelved, you know? And that's yeah. because it is so goddamn hard to get a movie made nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it just feels really disproportionate. And then and the fact that you have a lot of newcomers who are coming out of film school who are getting these opportunities because they're winning awards and accolades, and yet the men are getting jobs and the women aren't. Again, if you go to that women, um, womendirectorsinhollywood.com, there was a story on there about a woman who won, um, she won like a student Emmy, and um, she was given an opportunity to shadow a producer and a director on a primetime TV show. And she was given a chance to potentially direct a future episode after she did the shadowing. And the person actually said to her, I'm sorry, we can't hire you to direct this because the lead actor doesn't want to work with a female director. He hates working with female directors. Oh. And they, I just re- referred back to the original article. The names are kept anonymous for yeah. a reason. Yeah, they, they, keep all the, they keep a lot of the stuff quiet as far as who's actually saying this stuff. But um, but see, that's, that's the problem, though. It's like this dirty little secret that they don't want to talk about. Reminds me of the Red Scare almost. It's like, <laughs> oh my, we're well, not talking about communism. Don't want to get thinking. blacklisted, right? Yeah, right. Well, and, and then there's another there's another story I read on there. And this one, ooh, this one just gets me all fucking pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a female filmmaker whose sales agent set them up with a, a male producer to talk about um, a, a potential project. And she went and had her meeting with the producer and things went okay or whatever. She leaves. Her sales agent gives her a call later. And the male producer said to the sales agent, don't ever, ever again send me somebody I don't want to fuck. Whoa. Jeez. Isn't that disgusting? It's so disgusting. And that's another one that I got off that blog. And they keep the names quiet. And it turns out that that chick, um, the person who actually wrote the blog article, Mm. was a friend of that girl. That girl hasn't complained about it, hasn't reported about it, hasn't said anything because... The thing is, is you also want, don't want to be that chick who's going to go around and complain about the misogyny inherent in the system. You know, the funny thing is, <laughs> what where Kevin and I work, Kevin and I are coworkers. That's how we got him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We just had to recently go through our annual retraining for um, business conduct. Yep. Yeah, and yep. so a lot of that is making sure that we understand the HR regulations and all the proper codes of ethics when conducting business, and. There's this whole no. It's illegal to retaliate for a company to retaliate against an employee for raising a stink about a, a legally discriminatory issue, and this is a discriminatory issue. I mean, this is like textbook hmm. discrimination. If it was any other industry other than the film industry, this would have been taken to court. And there was there was an attempt to take something like this to court before. The steering committee was created in 1979 with six female DGA members who wanted to know specifically what the ratio was um, of the male-to-female working DGA directors. And they presented a report that indicated the possibility of discrimination against women directors in Hollywood. And the DGA made several failed efforts to encourage studios to adopt programs of affirmative action 
including asking studios to hire one woman per 13 TV episodes. Resolved to, affirmative. <laughs> yeah, they, they resolved to file a class action lawsuit against three major studios, Columbia, Paramount, and Warner Brothers. And in 1985, a female judge <laughs> ruled that there was a conflict of interest between the DJ and the plaintiffs and that they could not be repped by the same counsel. So yeah, it was they, shelved. Words, not, the same representation. Yeah, there. not because... Um, it's critical to understand that she did not rule on the issue of whether or not discrimination existed, but they couldn't do it because of the conflict of interest. Because they both had the same lawyers. Wow. And I don't really understand why that was the last time somebody's tried to, to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know the irony, too, is if there was if this were a political issue, usually the thing you'd want to do is make a movie about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, women, let's make a movie yeah. about yeah. this. <laughs> oh wow, that's oh, it's so topical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, again, speechless. Yeah, it, it's just it's just really frustrating. And I have a lot of other statistics about uh, about people who are working behind the scenes mm. and stuff. Um, the statistics are depressingly low. I keep coming up with these topical uh, references uh, and sidebars. I, if you know who I am, I am a diehard Pixar fan. Um, their movies are an essential staple of who I represent and identify as. And this summer's recent release, Brave, which was directed by uh, two people, uh, Mark Andrews and Brenda Chapman. This movie actually for the film buffs, uh, film buffs, those little, those little, film little buffs, puppies, little puppies. Um, <laughs> oh, they're so cute. The, the film buffs uh, marked Brave as a first in two categories for Pixar is that it was the first Pixar movie to have a lead female actress, mm-hmm. and um, it was the first movie to have a, a female director. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, there is a bit of a backstory behind Brave in terms of the name used to be The Bear and the Bow, and Brenda Chapman actually used to be the main director for what is known as Brave today, but had to step down. And there's a lot of stories behind it. But honestly, it came down to um, pressure and just personal pressures in terms of the story that she wanted to give and make sure that it was good. And also at the same time, it was her first movie. And so they brought on a veteran who had done work with Pixar before on the same level. Both Mark Andrews and Brenda Chapman had been like producers and writers for the team. So it was kind of like a joint effort. I would still consider that a success uh, because the movie Brave is quite good. They wrote it very well and they made it very touching for not just mothers and daughters, but for a lot of other audiences in terms of the whole father, uh, son, uh, mother, daughter, father, daughter, Crazy mother connections. Dynamics. Exactly, Definitely. exactly. Dynamics all but, you know, over yes. the place. And that's really important to say because when you think about it, Pixar has been around for about 25 years, thereabouts. Ooh, closer to 30 now. Closer to 30, yeah. yeah. And... Now, Pixar has always been a progressive studio, Yep, which makes sense, started by Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, in the early days of Apple, you had men and women side by side developing personal computers. Yeah. Just going to throw it out there. So that mindset was probably part of the culture yeah. at that company. You know? uh, and uh, I mean, another way that Pixar is very progressive is that they were the first well-known company to produce the web series, um, It'll Be All Right, uh, where you have company employees who are openly gay or lesbian coming out and saying, and, you know, sharing their stories and saying, the company I work for now supports me 100% to all those who are still, you know, in the closet, it will be all right. And then Pixar was first to do that. And then Apple was the next, which I thought was very, also very progressive and very interesting too. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Pixar is awesome. Pixar is very awesome. 
Don't we all love Pixar? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then uh, uh, to jump back and another sidebar, um, there are also two major powerhouse couples that I wanted to mention. One was Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, Susan Downey, who has been with Robert Downey Jr. on his comeback career ever since Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, now there goes the other one. The other powerhouse couple that I wanted to mention. Run, run a ride, folks. Just, just hang on. I apologize. It, it will come back to me one way or another. Um, actually, Kathleen Kennedy and her husband, I can't remember his name, but they've been a producing team for almost all of Spielberg's yep. movies. Oh, and on, on that same exact note, Kathleen Kennedy just uh, was... Announced to take over to Lucas take over Stone. Lucasfilm. Lucas oh, is retiring. That's right. That's, yeah. that's, Lucas that's right. Lucas George First is finally stepping down. She is taking over the role because she's actually been a major uh, partnering producer for Frank Marshall. That's the husband and Frank Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Frank Marshall, who's uh, well Kennedy. known yeah. for the Indiana Jones, uh, producing Indiana Jones, and actually directing the movie Congo. But uh, she, the first thing that she said, encyclopedia. And I know. Yeah, this is See? awesome. Yeah, knowledge. exactly. I thought I knew like. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, first thing that she, uh, Kathleen Kennedy said when it was made public is she said, I want to make more movies. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to hear. That's fantastic. That's good. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, like, I like that, that there's now this opportunity. And, and Kathleen Kennedy's a, a really good person to help, again, pay, pave more of the yeah. road. Yeah. I, more, more women in Hollywood. That's exactly. what we need. That's really what yeah. we need. Getting back to the whole thing of, of this, and what's so frustrating to me is, how is it how is it risky? I'm not a man. Um, so not I'd... yet a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, um, I I saw that opportunity. I had All to take right, it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> but yes, you were saying you're not a man. I'm not a man, so I don't know what goes on in a, in a male executive's head. But Ooh, when it comes oh, to, I have a pretty good idea. And when it comes yeah. to, to women, I just don't understand what's so risky about a, a woman taking over. I, hmm. I don't think we're just going to go and have like you know period rage all over the place. Yeah, that That's, is that, that doesn't is, really quite work that way. That is a stereotype that I see used day in and day out. It's like, oh look, that that woman's angry. She must be on her you period. Know, I, yeah, I know. that's not true. No. It doesn't work that no. way. Guys. Actually, I I'm sorry. I, it, it reminds me of um, of 30 Rock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to talk over you. Well, I guess we know who wears the pants in this podcast, <laughs> don't we, Sarah? I, I am currently wearing pants, yes. Congratulations. Uh, she got you on and that I'm one. Not. But I can't help but, uh, but think of, of 30 Rock, which is, you know, a great TV show spearheaded yep. by a woman. Tina Fey, I love yep. you. I want a to be you. A pioneer in genius. Not just, I, I love to mention that t Tina Fey is not just a pioneer in women's comedy. Mm -hmm. She's a pioneer in comedy. In comedy period. comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, but she had, so she had an episode um, where they were uh, making sketches for, for women on their show about like Amelia Earhart was like flying her oh, plane yes, and she's yes. like, I'm flying over the Atlantic. Oh, my period. And she veers <laughs> off. And then <laughs> Hillary Clinton's at her podium and she's like, you know, giving a, a press conference. And then all of a sudden she's like, ah, my period. Let's nuke England. <laughs> and then it goes to Tina Fey and she's talking to her writers in the in her room and she's being all calm and maintained. And all of a sudden, oh, my period. You're all fired. <laughs> it doesn't work that you know, way. I, I hate to make broad generalizations who you calling a broad oh you see what i did there <laughs> well, well played well played though. very well yes. done i hate to make broad generalizations but i do think for some men there is this deep down fear of the power that women have yes you know i think some men are just 
flat out terrified yes. of what women can do. Um, another uh, although, sound guy is nodding with 100% yes, with, confidence. <laughs> with enthusiasm. That's right, boss. <laughs> um, another. <laughs> oh, I don't want to make the wife angry. <laughs> She'll hurt me. She always hurts me. Please, we don't want to see the bruises. I'm sorry. Put the shirt look down. At this. Just look at it. <laughs> That's what you get for talking back. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> Go back to the sound booth now. It's all right, okay. all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, as awkward as it can be explaining a joke and not being the person telling the joke, on that similar related note, mm-hmm. Robin Williams um, recently did a little joke about uh, how if Hillary was president, how... On those times of the month, nobody would mess with her. And she's like, don't get anywhere near me. I just need to watch my stories. <laughs> and something like that. And Robin Williams being the maniacal comedic genius mad scientist that he is, I totally saw where he was coming from. And I thought that was, it was funny. Yeah. Because he, he, even though he's a man, I think he can pull off jokes like that because I, I see him as being a total, you know, supportive type of person. But crazy nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, crazy gets you pretty far. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And then, I mean... Bigger point, though, that he's, he's raising. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems that the jokes about um, women being on periods or making choices because they're on their period or anything oh, else because we're emotional you know yeah. messes of batshit crazy yeah and men but, aren't well that's, i was that's like yeah. that's what i was like no that's no no, no. What we, I'm just we can we can no no, no. If, guys are assholes yeah i was well, about to how, say women are crazy <laughs> guys are assholes except if if you put that same if you put them in a position of power the man that is in charge that's just kind of an asshole well he's he's authoritative yeah and and he's demand, he's, a, he's ambitious yeah so. but it's you put a woman in power she's a bitch which yep, is yep, it's, that's, yep. that's bullshit or when, when, but there's yeah. also the argument mm-hmm. that when a woman is in charge because it's a man's world uh but it's not complete without a woman i, I know but, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I I wasn't prepared for that little singing moment, so I do apologize for all those I just made tone deaf. So. All right, Brian, continue. Yeah. He's been trying to make an appointment for a while. He's been trying to make a point for a while. Make an appointment? Make yes. an appointment. Make an appointment. I'd like to make an appointment. I have something Shut I'd up. like to say. I'm stuttering. When is your next available time? <laughs> um, I would like the floor, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. so serious for so long, and I am sorry. Well, we have we to don't really need to we make have light. to relieve yes, the tension. No, yes. absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. No. But uh, please absolutely. continue, Brian. <laughs> you have the floor now. What was the last thing you said? I'm sorry. Something about periods. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, our, our sound oh, guy has uh, no clue I, either. I had a thought, and then it just uh, went. Uh, well, well, while you have that thought that's slowly drifting back to you, um, I, I wanted to mention that in comedy with women on their periods and stuff, it seems like the jokes are mostly performed by men. Mm-hmm. Which is why I love that Tina Fey yeah. pulled that. I'm not a woman, but I definitely appreciated that. I have seen the vagina monologues once, and it was it was an experience. I will say that, all things considered. So I, I like to think that I know more about women just sure. because I saw sure, that. Sure, just because you saw the vagina <laughs> Just because I saw that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be or not to be, that is the question. <laughs> Does that help the, your train of thought? For those listening at home, Sarah just made a puppet of sorts <laughs> <laughs> with her hands. 
I'll leave the rest to your mind. I. <laughs> I, okay, I, I, so I worked as a uh, as an event technician, um, doing theater and concerts and, and, uh, and presentations and whatever. Um, for for yeah, for six years working with all college age boys, and we worked the vagina monologues annually. Ooh. And I swear to God, like that was just the working with boys during during that. Like first of all, college I, age boys, college age boys, early twenties. I would definitely. Do, I have it. I have it. Oh, it came back to it. me. It came back to me. It came back to me. It came back to me. Do it. Got to hold on to that happy thought. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> okay, there was the argument. Mm-hmm. There is the argument yes. that when a woman is in charge, mm-hmm. that she doesn't know how to get the respect of a male team. So she has to act overly aggressive in order to get their respect. It's it's a flawed argument, but it is not an argument that is practiced nonetheless. An argument by whom? Just in general, or is, that, is that just like a general a general observation? It's, by it's a general observation. Okay. It's a general process I've seen okay. in place when hmm. a woman tries to take control of a male team. And and you know what? And maybe there is something. To it's not the that. only. It's not the only yeah, circumstance. Yeah, maybe obviously, the, I mean, but, the, then there's definitely arguments, and and this is probably going so yeah. very far away from movies. But there's definitely well, it arguments. It raises a bigger point, though. Yeah, yeah it where, does. Where we are probably, um, women are, you know socially ingrained to be more mild to be meeker we don't talk up in class as much and we're you know we're taught to be less ambitious and that's been um that's a common social stigma that they talk about a lot in Mm. um women's studies classes but because this is nerds on film to quote a movie from 2000 uh 2007 only spartan women give birth to real men i'm just going to put that out there there you go I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's something along those lines. Something along those lines. Uh, yeah. I think no, I think that's pretty close to what it is. See, I told you your train of thought would come back to you. Yeah, we just did. had to keep yeah. talking about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like now I'm the I'm the dick because I interrupted your story. No, 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 no. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, vagina monologues. Oh yes. yeah. Uh, oh, With so college age boys. Right. So when I'm doing a sound check about uh sound checks doing reading the vagina monologues to all of the boys that I worked with that that was pretty fantastical considering I was their supervisor and they were just having to listen to me, you know, talk about my vagina. My vagina is angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, our sound guy is showing the bruises again. <laughs> These rental bruises. Apparently his wife made him watch the vagina monologues and yes. he wants to shoot himself for it. Okay, so uh, to kind of reel this back into uh, the whole movie thing, the topic at hand, mm. um, I, I have noticed, and I'm sure you guys have too, that it's easier for women to do more independently produced films as opposed to big feature narratives and, and big studio films. You have more women who are actually doing independent documentaries. I think the the percentage on that one of all independent documentaries being made, 39% of those were actually made by women. Interesting. Okay. Um, as opposed to... 18% of feature narratives being made by women hmm. in 2011. It, it's just... And That's then again, almost double. And then again, 5% of those were, were top grossing, which is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous that, you know, why are women not as good at, at, at storytelling for... I, I'm, I'm really confused. Yeah. I, I don't... I, again, doesn't really make any sense to me. The answer to that question, I think, is really hard to simplify because... Guys yes. are assholes. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> Simple. Done. I'm kidding. I'm totally Guys kidding. are assholes and women are bitches. Like sure. that's a common truth that we all deal with. But it's not the it's not the absolute for both sexes. Right. right, right? right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can make the argument necessarily that 
just because 20% of women are making movies, it's just going to be 20% of the box office top grosses are going to be made by women, too. Men put out a lot of crap, too. There's other factors that are coming into play. Sure, here. sure. But this is just but this is a consistent trend. Yeah, I, we need more Sofia Coppola's. We need more Catherine Bigelow's. We need more Tina Fey's, more Amy Poehler's, definitely some more Maya Rudolph's. We just we we need a lot more of what's good going on now. Um, well, and and I feel like there's there's a talent pool out there, but yeah. they're having the door slammed in their faces already. It's the glass ceiling, you know. And and we're living in a in a post feminist world here. And and are we growing complacent? I don't know, or or is it that we're just we, you know, are we focusing our efforts elsewhere? Well, and I there, mean I mean we as as in people who support equal rights between the sexes. There, there is a male perception of feminism. And, yes, there is. And it's, it's, and it's, I'm not saying it's right. No. There's men who think that there's two kinds of feminists. There's feminists who want equal rights, and then there's the man-hating feminists who are more like basically female supremacists is the best, mm-hmm. <laughs> the best way I can say it. Yeah. And there, it's the, the latter. It's the female. Um, Former. No. Uh, I'm saying to some guys, they when they think of feminism, they don't think of equal rights. Oh, they okay. think of right. female Thank supremacy. You. Thank you for correcting yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. No, that, it was what I was meaning to say. Okay. So <laughs> I got worried for a second. I'm like, who Brian is this Moore. Brian I'm sitting next Brian to? Moore no, 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 no. I said myself excluded, not included. Okay. Excluded. Yes. Jesus. From the <laughs> no, it's fine. We know what you're saying. We know what you're saying. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I, I just do think Sarah this... has a very good right hook, by the way. I just wanted, I just wanted <laughs> to make that very clear and I'm sitting right next to her. You're sitting so. right <laughs> next to her. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I am in the hot seat right now. <laughs> I've never punched anybody in the face. Recently. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. No, um, but yeah, so I just, I do think that this is a topic that doesn't really get talked about a lot. Mm. Oh, and similarly, um, Bridesmaids. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure we all saw it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah it's we all movie. saw yeah. it. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was directed by a man, Paul Feig, um, who is prior credits, I believe, was like uh, episodes of The Office. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's done some work in SNL. Almost that entire movie was like the women powerhouse, uh, like, uh, God, what's her name? My Rudolph, of course. Um, Kristen Wiig. Thank you. Yes, Kristen Wiig, who wrote the screenplay and got nominated for an Oscar for mm-hmm. it. And oh, Melissa McCarthy. Who was and awesome. Melissa McCarthy, who got the supporting actress. And I will tell you, I'm I'm going to be honest. I had a day off. I went and saw that by myself. And of course, uh, there was like this gaggle of women, ages between about twenty to forty, mm-hmm. um, who sat behind me, and I was minding my own business. And they looked down and was like, "Oh dear God." Is he alone or do you think he's gay? I wonder why he's here. And I was like, I'm here to enjoy a funny movie. Thanks. Well, it's not like you were there watching Magic Mike. So, you know. I, I mean, I saw Bridesmaids with David. So, I mean, <laughs> just to, to throw that out there. And that movie was great because hmm. it was it was a movie with a predominantly female cast. And it was genuinely funny. Yeah. There was no gimmick. To yeah. it, you understand, it was it was genuinely funny because of the material, because of the yeah. of the situation in the film. Right, and I mean, like, not to draw anything away from that movie, but I, I think it worked best. And by the way, I think the movie did. It was like what cost about eighteen twenty million, and uh, it earned over a hundred million dollars. Right. right. I think when it comes to that movie, it could have been relatable in terms of I can imagine these as guys 
and of course on screen they were women. Yeah. And I it was just I didn't think that they were dumbing it down so that way more people could relate because I went and saw it by myself and I had a blast. I loved that movie. And and this is where I will say that Kristen Wiig, Tina Fey, these people, these women are pioneers. And and it's because they are taking what is normally a male style of comedy. The the gross out humor when they're trying on the dresses. And they get and, food poisoning. Yeah. And, and, and being <laughs> self-deprecating. Women before were like either ditzy or like the, the straight man in these kinds of situations put on a pedestal. These kinds of things. These are these are real awkward women being real people and yeah. and that's and that's changing the game and i hope to god this this trend sticks around it picks up yeah it's so so good i i just i love it i love it more women in movies man but and not <laughs> just and not just in front of the screen behind the scenes yeah. we we need these voices to be heard absolutely I mean, even television writers, um, as far as TV writers go, the lack of women is depressing. Actually, The Office was kind of put on one of the worst lists. Really? For um, the for the percentage of women behind the scenes or something like that. Okay. It was something like one woman to, to 13 men on crew. Ooh. Well, I will say this, though. Mindy Kaling was one of the best reasons character-wise mm-hmm. and writing-wise um, for that show. For example, she wrote the episode early in either, what was that, season two or season three, where Dwight got a concussion oh, yeah. and be- started to become mm-hmm. everybody's friend. She wrote that episode, and that's one of the best ones uh, for that series. Well, and, yeah, no, and I, and, I, and I agree. She did write a lot of really good episodes yeah. for that show. But, but still, it's still disproportionate. Exactly. You, know? you can have a standout, but having a standout does not make... Yeah, justify the statistics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and if the talent, if the talent pool is there, if these women are coming out of film school trying to make these movies, yeah. You know? Well, then, so I'm curious. Then, what do you think it's going to take? What do you think is going to be I, the impetus for change? I, I really, I do feel like it's it's just giving more opportunity to the people who deserve mm-hmm. it, to the people who are who are winning these awards. Then again, who's handing out the awards? If you look at film festivals, film mm-hmm. festivals are also significantly disproportionate in the amount of women who are actually putting in all these movies, but at the same time, they're not getting nearly as many accolades as the men. Right. But I, what, what was it? The LA Times earlier today did a full-on investigation of what makes up the Academy. Mm-hmm. What was it? Like 98% of them are old white men. Yeah. 90, it was between 92 and 98%. Mm-hmm. Unreal. Unreal. I mean. Yeah. Well, to become a member of the Academy, you had to have been nominated for an Academy Award or be invited by the, like, one of the boards of governors yeah. to join. And because we were in a male-dominated industry completely. Boys club. For yeah. so many years. I mean, that makes sense. You have some Academy members who are in their 80s or 90s. Unfortunately, actually, to make this interesting. The, the role of script supervisor was always called script girl because that was it was almost always woman doing the job originally. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, and interestingly enough, that's the job that was making sure that the shots looked exactly correct from shot to shot. Yeah, and also was huh. kind of I mean, depending on the kind of set you're on, mm-hmm. assist the assistant director and making sure that hey, you know, we're on task. Yeah, with with getting stuff done. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. A little, a little factoid. factoid. Yeah. yeah. Factoid. Well, we are nerds on film. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 
you know, I, and unfortunately, I again, I'm not in Hollywood. I don't, I don't know what it'll take to change. Aside from the fact that you know, women need to keep pushing harder. If you're, if you are a female filmmaker, if you are a screenwriter, if you are a grip or a gaffer, if you're a costume designer, whatever, whatever you are, if you're, if you're an editor, for God's sakes, please just try, just try, and and be a force to be reckoned with. In Hollywood, yeah. do it. Just keep busting down doors and 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 doing what you got to do. I just feel like that needs to happen. Fist Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> just break into Warner Brothers and just and just fist them. Put them on the table. Like that. All right, you wanted this the hard way, so we're doing it the hard way. <laughs> we have been holding in that reference from the moment we started recording. By the way, dear listeners, for the record. Um, I think I just said that women should take back their power by raping the men and the men. In the That's and, not how we do no, things. No. It's funny for a joke, but no. Rape is not rape is not good for either sex. It, it, all right? it, it, rape is good for no one. <laughs> for no one. No one. We went there. We yes. totally went there. <laughs> this went from a PG-13 to a R. An R, an R podcast. I think, uh, considering that... We are I not am... getting Newton no, no, on iTunes. <laughs> nope. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, it's... Not with Fist and Boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, to, to bring Brian's question on my side, um, when it comes to films, I like to align myself as a film nerd, but I also like to make sure that I align and represent my views um, as a casual moviegoer. Now, some would say that me seeing about four to five movies a month in the theaters is not casual. I would say considering how many movies come out in a month, uh, the law of averages would say that it's casual. Considering what I've been seeing in the past, I want to say in the past 10 years, unfortunately, it's been a slow progress, but it's notable progress nonetheless. I want to see more people like Kristen Wiig hamming it up and making it genuine, hilarious, but enjoyable, because that's what the movies are all about. Yeah, sure. And Catherine Bigelow, I mean, that was, yeah. that was a big deal. That now, was granted, a big win. Yeah. There's been no female nominees since Catherine Bigelow, and that was a couple of years ago. That but, was 2010. That's right. Yeah, so I guess it was really only a year ago when we think about it. The movie came out in 2009. Because um, well, last the Oscars year's Oscars, yeah, yeah. So it's only been one Oscar ceremony since then. But yes. nevertheless, that ceiling has been poked through. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's been torn down, but it's been poked through. We were talking about a power struggle, and usually it requires the other party giving up that power to a degree relinquishing or compromising i would say before full giving it up so what is it going to take to get that to happen kathleen kennedy now a studio head yeah I, no, I'm, sure, I'm sure that'll probably but again though even yeah. you know even if the female execs are yeah. going to hold against the woman that we we need to be on each other's side mm -hmm. i'm not saying if you have a male director and a female director go with the female because you know, just do it. No, go go with who's qualified, but don't turn them away just because they're female and because yeah. it's considered a risk. That's bullshit. I was just listening to uh, one of Kevin Smith's podcasts today, and he, you know, he knows the system pretty well. Mm. He's and been he, through the system. He's yeah. been through the system, both independent and studio. And yeah. to get a studio movie made, it goes through a committee, and it's every head of every, every department going through, and they have an equation. Or literally, well, if they look at this person with this track record, they, they look up every movie that person's done 
And the equation has been 100% accurate within $5 million. They've always been accurate within $5 million of how much money it's going to make. So if they don't think a female director is going to make any money for that movie, hmm. they're not getting the gig. Hmm. Is and, it because... Well, and, but the thing is, is our fem- how much are females being accounted for in that equation? Yeah, and yeah. how much are they it's being valued? It's a flawed valued? system. Yeah, because that, that, that's kind of strange. If that's if the problem, be, yeah. If they're looking at past track record, and if a female's not given an opportunity... Right. Then that's that's kind of jacked. I mean, you yeah. know, for for most of those job hunters out there, and you know, like, hey, you need experience yeah. to work here, but then how the hell yeah. am I going to get and experience? And then what it comes yeah. back to is it comes back to the producer or the studio head fighting for the director. Yeah, probably okay. more the producer. I just I just feel like you know Hollywood does often blow smoke up its own ass, trying to say that they're risk takers. So let's prove it. Yeah, prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Fear stems from something that makes you uncomfortable or something you're not knowledgeable about. I mean, come on. You could equate fear to being immature. That's that's an argument that theoretically could be made if you wanted to. We're not psychologists here. No, not at all. <laughs> we are nerds. We analyze things differently. We don't have we don't have social skills. Yeah, exactly. We're doing a podcast instead of like going out and talking to people. Exactly. What, do what does that say about us? Instead of going to a bar, getting drunk off of nine dollar beers, we are here in the middle of a garage, four people sitting talking about movies. That's where I would prefer being. By the way, man, this life is awesome. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Thank you, sound guy. Yes, thank you, sound guy. We appreciate your uh, vote of confidence. So I think that should kind of call it there. I mean, and, and honestly, guys um, and ladies, if you want to to give us some feedback, please do. Um, we've got our Facebook page, um, Nerds on Film. You can find us there. Um, you can also go to our website, nerdonomy.com, and go um, and visit our page and see the nerds. If you hover over all of our pictures, you can see our email addresses. And uh, we would love you guys to email us. Please. We'd like to keep the discussion going. Kevin, it was an absolute pleasure to have you join us this evening. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure for me as well, and I hope to uh, visit you guys again very soon. Well, you are welcome back anytime. Consider it done. All right, guys. Good night. And roll credits. <laughs>